Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip down a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so uh, you know, that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you sixty thousand dollars. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Howe. Greg Pappas on the board. We have Mr. Carl Denninger with us. We have uh, two people in Vegas, both Brendan and. Uh, I'm actually, I'm not sure. Hales. Well, we had Matty Weber's in Vegas, Brendan's in Vegas, and I think Joel might be there. He's somewhere. Uh, are they all are they all partying at the same place, or what are we doing here? And and, and Carl is going to help out. And uh, by the way, uh, Greg, are we are we officially blaming that technical glitch on the cleaning crew? Uh, <laughs> something was a little goofy on the board. I'm going to blame the cleaning I'm, crew. I've got my fingers crossed. Carl is still here. He was? I am good. Um, hey, Carl, we got we, who knows? We can we can talk about just about anything. There's all kinds of stuff going on. But there's an article here on CNBC. Uh, that is, as I've tried to uh, explain to people as best I can, and maybe I'm just not good at it, uh, this is a very in interesting, different world of inflation we're in now than, it's totally different than the 1978 stuff, in, in, in some ways. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that. Or not. I mean, the, the, the basis of it, and the fact that there's too much money in the system, all that is classic monetary theory, but... I, I was going to say, I thought Friedman had something to say about that. Well, what I say, but this is, when I say this is different in a way, is it all... Ha back then, it started... Well, you and I both think that this really started in 2000, you know, and, and, and really accelerated in 2007. But, right. that's, but that was... I've never seen... Let me, let me run with this a second. The, I've never seen this kind of a jump in the money supply, like 40% in a... 24-month period. We, we didn't have that in the 80s. I mean, we had, we had the constant stream of more money coming in than should have, which led to an inflation over, you know, a 14-year period. But this is sort of different. And I, there's an article here today by Jeff Cox, and I think, I think Jeff is a pretty good writer. Uh, but he has two paragraphs here, and I don't know that, he, that he's uh, knowing, knowing what he's talking about here, but he, but he has, I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, but his two paragraphs exactly highlight what, what I'm talking about that I can't seem to other than you Carl I can't seem to get anybody to, to I won't say agree with me but really understand what the hell I'm talking about it's not about inflation here don't break out the party hats just yet despite recent signs that inflation is cooling to fight to bring down the meteoric price increases of the past three years is five, far from over okay now but the next question the next financial markets draw optimists from two reports last week showing that the rate of growth in both the prices that consumers shell out at the checkout and those that businesses pay for the goods they use, it hit multi-year lows. Okay, I, th I think both of those paragraphs 
are absolutely correct. I, is is there any is there a fight to bring down the meteoric price increases of the last three years? I don't think so. I think there, there's a there's a fight to bring down the current rate going forward down to the two percent number or whatever the hell they're talking about. I don't see any attempt to bring down the the thirty five forty percent of the last three years. Do you comment? Those are two totally separate subjects, and everybody combines the two, and they're not. Well, of course, everybody combines the two because if you don't combine the two then you have to have an honest conversation about what the blankety blank has been going on for the last 20 years yeah and and nobody wants to do that and in the political sphere to do that is suicide all right i mean it's yeah <laughs> you know the accounting is a, is a rather exact science okay i mean this is what i get from my dad having been a cpa uh you you can try to play games with what column a cost goes into or what column an expense goes into but you had this many dollars that came into the checkbook and this many dollars that went out and (laughs) if you game that I mean it's when I sold MCS one of the places that came in and started doing diligence we you know we had sort of a, a bidding process that kind of took place I mean it's what you do when you go to sell a company one of them actually got one little peek under the kimono and said we we don't believe your numbers I actually had one of their finance people tell me that and I said so you're telling me that that I falsified a bank statement <laughs> well, that's, that's quite a charge I, I said that's a that that's a, a That'd be a good trick. I mean, you know, considering that you have the authority under our agreement that we're negotiating to call the bank. <laughs> yeah. Okay. When, when was the last time you saw a bank that let you get away with that? And um, that that kind of shut them up rather quickly. But we, we have the same kind of thing going on at a national level. Okay, because if if you look at the if you just look at the data, just say, you just look at the treasury statement. That's all you got to do. Where this deficit spending is going and what it's been driving. When you look at that data, and you look at where, at the data that Fred has, which you know it's the St. Louis Federal Reserve. Um, they graph nearly anything, money related. Put in a nice, easy to easy to see place. Um. All you see is in two places. You see the agri- the accretion of debt, particularly in places where Obama nationalized things like student loans. Hello. Yeah. Um, that, by the way, went from zero, nearly zero. I mean, it was a, it was a couple hundred billion dollars. It was almost zero to a trillion and a half. All right, in the space of about a decade. Um, by the way. Uh, several hundred billion of that was after Biden made the promise that you wouldn't have to pay them back. So that's active fraud by the students. Okay, can we stop with this BS about relief for all these poor people? These are people who took out debt with the expectation that they were going to force other people to pay for it. They did it on purpose. And that's the same thing as going out and running your credit card up thirty or forty thousand dollars with absolutely zero intention to pay for it. And and yet that happened. That's fact. The second thing is that 
the other escalation that is absolutely outrageous and which I detected in the 1990s and is still going on is in CMS. And that's Medicare and Medicaid. And then they pay, they pay so much less than regular people in hospitals too, which makes it even worse. Well, they don't. That, see, that that's here's here's the reality. Well, Medicaid, okay, Medicaid. Um, there's a there is an argument to be made that Medicaid actually forces hospitals to take uh, what amounts to a loss. Okay, um, on Medicare, that's not true. By law, it's not true. And if you are a medical provider and you allege that in fact Medicare did that to you and you can prove it you're entitled to 110% of what you can prove okay so there is actually an incentive a financial incentive for you to go back at CMS and nail them if they try to screw you but if if you see you know I've helped people in Medicare out with their hospital bills before the dramatic difference between the gross price and what now whether anybody pays list I have no idea the dramatic difference between the the list price and what Medicare pays is is, is huge well of course it is but what that what that says is that everybody else is getting gouged yeah hey uh, just, because, because by law Medicare can't screw the hospital by the way just to uh um, talk at your credibility and what you were just talking about uh, I seem to recall Carl I'm not, I don't know what the year is here because I can't I'm looking at this debtclock.org, all right? And uh, now they have, as I seem to, not, not, I'm not casting any aspersions or uh, accusing anybody or anything, but it used to be as, as late as uh, 2020, when you looked at these numbers, uh, you didn't have, you had, uh, uh, where am I on here, 2020, you had uh, total consumer debt, okay? You had mortgage debt, consumer debt, and you had credit card debt, and right? Uh, and but then uh, somewhere along the line, I thought it was before 2020, they split out student loan debt and credit card debt. So now, if you look at uh, the the current number, which is 2023, which is where we are, duh, uh, you're going to see. I, I think the, the student loan when it when it when it when they first broke this out, I think the student loan debt was actually less than the credit card debt. And in like three or four years, it's buzzed past it by a half a trillion dollars. Now, student yeah. loan debt is is way higher than credit card debt. Right. Well, it's well, it's revolving and non-revolving is the is the two gross baskets. Well, student loan debt now is a trillion eight, and credit card right. debt's a trillion three. But you know, it's interesting, Carl. I keep harping on this uh, these inflation numbers that I think are really thirty five, forty percent. You look at the credit card debt from ni- two thousand and twenty to now. It's up about thirty percent, thirty-five percent. So the exact same number keeps popping up at you, which which you and I would say is exactly what you would expect through regular monetary theory. But you know, but you know what I've I've seen uh, this time crowd, which I really didn't see back in the in the, in the 70s. It, w- it was kind of a relentless uh, death of a thousand cuts back then. Everything just kind of went up, 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 and then people got cost of living increases in their wages. So some people actually sort of kept pace with it. Other people, if you went to the bank and put your money in the bank, which is probably the single biggest difference between this time and that time, is you went to the bank, if inflation was 10%, you were getting 12. Right. You were getting inflation plus something. You, you The actual you know, interest rate is is the rate of inflation plus the real rate of interest. Actually, that, that formula held true before the Fed decided to wreck it. But what I'm getting here now is that even, even I don't know if you listen to Dan on Thursday, and, and Dan 
a tremendous uh, pulse on the economy, I think. And he, he said, you know, when you talk about gasoline, you talk about price of chicken and all that kind of stuff around, the uh, people have learned to deal with it because that stuff has actually come down a little bit. Your commodities have. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's come down a little bit. So he said people have learned to de- – they've made the adjustments in their dealing with that. And he, and he – and he, uh, I'm going to say virtually everybody I talk to it's you know serious about this stuff sort of agrees that people have made their adjustments. They're only going out two nights a week. They're doing something. But you know what I've, I've found in the last – maybe partially because it happened to me – what happened to people? It's happening to people around me, uh, Carl. Is that they they absolutely are not tuned into what it's done to what I say potential expenses. So right. I mean somebody. I mean um, you know my uh, significant other Audrey was stunned that her carpet cleaning guy was up thirty five percent from three years ago. She's like, wait a minute, I just paid the guy six hundred. Now he wants like a grand, <laughs> type of thing, right? Uh, you know, and uh, and one lady whose uh, nephew kind of wrecked her car, uh, well, it was the car she gave it to him, the one she's driving, and she figured, well, yeah, it's going to cost you know five grand to fix. It's like nine, you know, that or a roof or windows. I mean, the windows I just priced out for my place are a solid forty percent higher, forty five percent higher than three years ago. Well, chief, I you know, I, you know, I I've got quotes on the table here for replacing the HVAC system at the house uh, the, the one that's in here right now is working but uh, it's it's 15 years old and it's less efficient obviously than the new ones right uh, and is showing some signs of distress I mean you take the covers off and you know take a look inside and uh, that's not in great shape right so I'd rather replace it now than replace it in the middle of the winter when there's no heat. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, right now it's not a big deal if it's down for a day, right? Um, you know, January, maybe not so much. And and probably we'll schedule that to be done, you know, right after the, the stupid hot is over. So I'm not, you know, minus air conditioning for a day and a half or whatever. Uh, but that's, but yeah, I mean, the, the price increase is... Uh, <laughs> You know, you, you get the quotes, you look at it, you go, well, this guy's not trying to screw me because I got two others. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, and and you have to do that, otherwise somebody will. But, yeah, I mean, it's obviously gone up. And and um, I'll tell you where, where some of that, though, has come back out is in construction materials. You know, you were you were talking, we've, we've mentioned a couple of times, you know, the, the thing about, you know, 40 grand to replace a roof and things like this. And... Uh, during the middle of the of some of these supply craziness, uh, I go into Home Depot or Lowe's and see, you know, that you want how much for a two by four? Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's that. I'll, I'll bet it hasn't come down to where I think lumber is actually the same. You know, uh, Greg, you know more, more about this than us, so chime in. I think I think lumber is actually down to uh, a lot of this one out there. Maybe Greg can look it up on break. I, I think lumber might be down to like where it was before COVID. I doubt fairly if, clo- it's fairly close. I yeah, doubt I, if I, I doubt if the Home Depot price has, however. No, but uh, but like I've you know I mean my deck could use having the you know having all the decking stripped and redone, and I was going to do it in tracks originally. But some of the stringers are in moderately poor shape, and if I'm going to take it apart, I'm going I'm going to fix everything, right? Right. And during COVID, I was looking at it. I'm going <laughs> not unless it's falling apart. Uh, not at that price. You guys are out of your effing minds. Yeah. All right. I mean, now I'm looking at the numbers, going, "Well, okay, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, yeah, 
uh, in the next year or two, yeah, assuming things stay where they are, yeah, I'll, I'll redo it because it really should be redone. But it really hasn't. I think it has not. And this, I'm saying this didn't happen because in the difference was in the 60s and 70s, late 60s to early 80s, it was a continual 8% one year, 85 the next, 10 the next. It was relentless, but but almost predictable. Okay, what I'm saying is, right. You know, your your four thousand dollar car the next year was forty four hundred, and maybe you got some cost of living along the way, at least late in the period you did, and it was something that you know was was somewhat absorbed. But the the it didn't happen to you that you had say say you had a million bucks. I use that number roundly, roundly because a lot of people that's what their four hundred one k is when they come out of school out of school out of a another job. If that's what's in the bank. And you're not, and you don't get anything on that. And four years later, the retired couple goes to buy the car, and they go, "Wait a minute, they're not twenty five anymore. They're like seventy. I mean, right? I mean, that, I don't think I don't recall the sticker shock on items that you don't normally buy very often back then, like I do now. And I no, th- and 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 the problem is they have to. It has to come out. You can't just you know. Every Powell loves to talk about the well. You know, we have to get inflation back to two percent. Okay, so what he's talking about is the rate of change. Right, that's exactly right. Right, he's talking about the delta. What he's not talking about is the price level. It, but you don't pay a delta; you pay a price level. I'm going to say, Carl, out of all the people doing a business show this morning, they were the only two having this conversation. Well, you know what? This is why we are headed for um, a landing about as hard as, you know, the guy that jumps off a 100-floor building, and he's about 80 floors down, and somebody asks him, you know, sticks his head out the window, hey, how's it going? Well, it's fine so far. Well, when when we're going to go to break here, we're going to go to a quick break. Uh, Maybe no traffic weather sports, but I'll give all the rest of stuff for us, because the Cubs lose all the time. Uh, as, as Angelica once said, all they do is lose. Who cares? Uh, the uh, we'll come back real quick because I I've been looking. I actually been reading <laughs> some of the monetary history of the United States. Uh, I'm trying to find a time when an attack was made on a price level like this that was somewhat successful and didn't screw everything up. I'm having a tough time. I found one, but I'll, I'll run it to buy and we back break. SP futures down two fifty. As it features down 22, it's still, still a quick, quick break, man. Our man. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howe. We have Greg Pappas on the board and he 
managed to fix everything that those cleaning people wrecked. Right, Greg? Don't know what, what happened. The board looked a little funky, and then the, the signal wasn't showing up on the computer. Well, so. we either have to blame Matt Byrne or the cleaning people. Who I do you think want to blame? it's Matt Byrne. Matt Byrne? Matt, Matt Byrne, I'm throwing <laughs> you under the bus. SP <laughs> Futures down three, Nasdaq Futures down 23, Dow down five, individual stocks, and in, uh, we have to talk a little bit about this when we get out of our inflation. Bank America tops analyst expectations amid higher interest rates. Does anybody even realize that these bumps were, were fined two hundred and fifty million dollars last week for opening up a whole bunch of accounts and people? I mean, for a, for like a decade long period, how does this guy still have his job? I mean, By the it, way, can I can I ask a question? I, sure. I want to ask you a question. Yes. Wells Fargo got caught doing this back in the time of the crash. Okay. Yep. Same thing. Uh, in fact, I knew somebody that worked for them that they tried to. Uh, make part of their compensation the number of accounts they opened and they hint hint wink wink nod nod you know those little old ladies in your that come into your office uh you know she she won't know that she has three more accounts wink wink nod nod okay uh that particular person refused to do it ultimately left um this isn't McConnell, got, wasn't McConnell's wife on the board yeah well you know there was a lot of, of you know things go that that by the way lumber, is criminal fraud way. that's a felony yeah okay bank fraud is a felony let's let's quit playing games here with this nobody went to prison for that and then here we are it's 10 plus years later and bank of america gets busted for the same thing well let me uh while you're on that because we'll um we'll get back to our other discussion in a second i uh Run, run with me on this, Carl, because I, I know I know you're right that, let's say when we formed PTI in like 1990, 1991, my brother went to uh, the local place, Harris Bank, right by him in, in, uh, in Beverly, said we're, we got this new business and blah, blah, blah. They put everybody on, uh, you know, pay, pay roll direct deposit, gave everybody personal checking accounts without any fees or anything. And I'm going to guess that they opened up savings accounts for everybody that probably nobody cared or wanted. But to me, Carl, it, it didn't hurt anybody. I, I think that what happened with these goofballs is that one day they decided we've got a gazillion accounts that are non-performing because they opened them up, but, no, but nobody would have cared. Why would you have cared? It didn't cost you anything. I think one day they decided to put a minimum on all these accounts, and then when the charges went out, all kinds of people never even knew or remembered they had an account all of a sudden squealed to high heaven, which they should have. Well, is that what happened? Well, is that what I mean? Because if, if there was no well, fee on well, it, what's the difference? It, but, well, okay, part of it, yes. But here was the other problem with that, Chief. Some of these were credit accounts, and they banked people's credit scores. So it wasn't just, I opened up a checking account, and oh, by the way, you got a savings account too, in case you ever want to use it. Right. It wasn't that. It was, it was, it was things that, that did material harm. Now, conti- now here's, here's part of the problem with this. Quantifying... Maybe we just lost Carl. Did we lose him? No. We still got him on Zoom. I don't know where he went. Huh. All right. Well, I got lumber prices for you. Carl, we're still here if you want to. He'll, um, he'll find his way back in. He always does. Yeah. Unless somebody cut him off because what he's about to I say. Individualized basis is nearly impossible. Okay. Carl, no, repeat, repeat what you just said. You blanked out for about 15 seconds. Okay. So... Uh, 
what I was saying is that the, the trying to figure out the individualized harm to a particular person from something like this is very hard. It's very, very difficult. But credit scores these days show up in absolutely everything that you buy. Oh, yeah. Every mortgage, everything you want to do. Uh, your car insurance. Yeah. Okay. And across millions and millions of people, you know, 50 bucks here, 10 bucks there, all of a sudden is a heck of a lot of money. And it, and the bank did not get all of that benefit, but the customer got the screwing. Well, out of the fine, $100 million is supposed to be going back to the customers. Oh, yeah, sure yeah. it will. Okay. You know, $100 million in the grand scheme, it, it, look, if you commit this kind of a fraud on this sort of a basis, we're not talking about one or two people that get screwed. We're talking about tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people get screwed. You ought to be out of business, period. End of conversation. And every single officer and director of the firm needs to go to prison. That's it. And until we start doing that, I, you're going to find me having a great deal of trouble if I'm ever on a jury. If somebody says, you know what, I've had enough of this, and goes and takes one of these people out back and has a little fun with them, uh, I vote not guilty. Yeah, I, uh, I don't. But, you know, it, there's, a, there's a change in, in perception that's this week. If everybody felt the way you and I do about this stuff, that you'd you need to have rules that all of us live by because at the end of the day, uh, it, it hurts everybody if some people get get away with stuff. I'm not talking about you know petty, petty stuff and nobody had some law somebody's came up with for laughs, but this guy, nobody nobody is gonna the, the society we're in because the stock is up this morning a little bit, it's up 11 cents. If we he would never come our show because we would say, hey buddy, what about that fine? Right. He, he'd never come back. <laughs> you know, it would never do that. And, uh, but you know, chief, even I'm, uh, chief, I'm blackballed on all of the major networks because I raised this during the crash. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of people you don't be, see. I it. can't be booked. I Laura Ingram tried to book me, and was told she can't. Well, I mean, there, but it's it's. I guess what I'm, I'm trying to get a, a big time question here, which, by the way, you just answered a big time question, but. Uh, take take like the CBOE for instance, where people used to have incredible pride in an auction market and, and pricing the way it was and and you know an honest trade that kind of thing. But the people who ended up retiring with a seat that are now fat and happy, they don't care if there's any more. I'll say, gee, Bill Bradsky. In my my opinion, all the market makers are gone. The buildings <laughs> abandoned, and oh by the way, the markets suck. Uh, there's payment for order flow all over the damn place, and three, uh, three or four people make all the money making crummy markets. What do you mean? My, my, the, my, the, the stock I got from my seat is going to the moon. He's the best. People somehow... Right. They, that was a big waste, in my opinion, though. SIBO could have been the biggest, and now they're just like an afterthought in, yeah, terms, of, yeah. in terms of public. But, does, but it doesn't matter. The people on the seventh floor got paid. That's all they cared about. You think the people with the board I mean, of trade? They should be. They should be. Um, what's their market cap, though? Oh, I don't, but I'm, my point is the same thing with the people with the board of trade when they got bought by the Merck. They the, the guys up top got a fortune. This is a little known favorite college, not the guy who ended up being right. The SIBO is fourteen billion dollars yeah. right now. That's that's their market cap. Yep. 
CME is is uh, what eighty. Well, it's not even it's right. Not even what, a what, I'm, what my my point is is that when they hired a guy, and that's the guy who ended up Excuse doing me. the deal. I don't know if you know this, Greg, or not. You know, I, 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 you probably don't, Carl. Although you might, the the CEO before the guy who actually did the deal, when he showed up in his contract, he was he they, he was going to put the place up for sale, okay, to, because the members used to own the place. <clears throat> But if, when you gave all the stock options to the people up top, you essentially flipped the ownership, right? To where the people up top never had never had any money in the place, and they couldn't own a seat. Now all of a sudden, you got to own the place. He was going to get ten percent of the entire price of the takeover. We're talking about an institution that's been here 150 years. The guy's going to be there in three weeks. He sells the place. He was going to get ten percent of the money. That sounds I mean, like a good deal. Yeah, but this but this guy Moynihan comes on, like you say. I, what about that fine? They don't. Nobody cares, Carol. I mean, unless people start to care, and I don't know how you care when when you're when you're struggling every day with prices are going up and you're baking men's meat and you got three kids going to school. I don't know how you care about the the Bank America thing enough to make it make it part of your life. I, we, it's hard for us to make it a subject on the show because there's so much other stuff to talk about, right? I mean, it, it's oh, I know. It's really, but anyway, uh, um, you were you were talking something about the. Uh, uh, you know, has it ever been happened before? I'm going to say, Carl, the only spot I found was after the Civil War. Now, the the North actually uh, they only had like a 10 or 12 percent inflation per year during the war, which is outstandingly good management. Where the South had all kinds of problems. They just poured money into the system, and oh, by the way, their 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 currency was easy easy to counterfeit, so that made it even worse. So they were up like. You know, 25% a year. And you could actually make a case that one of the leading reasons why the South basically got their ass kicked is because their currency was no good and the North was. But you could make that economic case. We still, you still had to, you know, shoot and have battles and stuff. But, um, and the only time after that, the North had gone off the gold standard and printed greenbacks. But only about, only about 10% of the, uh, of the total uh, currency out there. Uh, the rest was all gold back, and they, after the war, they dragged those things out of the system, and because they wanted to go back to the gold standard, because as a young country, you couldn't be off the gold standard with other other countries in the world, so they went back on it, and actually had a def- deflationary run, of about four and five years, while the uh, economy was actually the real, there was massive real growth after the war, so it, it can happen, but it's but it's very very rare. You have to be in a period of time. I don't think there is that much real growth right now, although there's probably some with some of the stuff coming back from China and things like that. I mean, some of the metalworking places in Chicago are, are doing great and hiring people. I mean, there's some, but I don't know if they can pull this off. I really, I really don't. Well, you know, it's the, the, the biggest problem is that we have so many people who have, who have become invested directly and indirectly in these what amount when, when you look at it objectively they're scams okay they, they're just they're flat out scams the stuff that goes on in the medical field these days and has been going on for the last 20 30 years it's outrageous and it's a scam and yet one in five roughly I mean it's 20% of the economy which means about one in five jobs oh yeah is in there Okay, so now, oh, we're going to take it, we're going to make that come back out. Uh, well, you've 
all of a sudden you got 20% of the population that, uh, you know, has got the pitchforks and torches out. Well, and we have, Carl, we're going to we're gonna have to dash by to continue this on Friday. We have Mr. Kenny with us. Carl, thank you for subbing for everybody. Uh, we'll talk on Friday because the topics are not going away. Uh, no. Kenny, how are you, buddy? I'm good, sir. How are you? All right. We got we had locked into a, uh, uh, a Moynihan thing. How come nobody asked him in his interview uh, about that fine last week? Yeah, and well, I didn't hear what I didn't hear what the response was. What was it? Oh, I'm saying I, you'd never come back on that station if you did, right? <laughs> yeah, never, 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 never. So, so, how are you? What are you? What are you making? What's going on? Are you uh, still up in uh, at the Cape, or are you back down sweltering in Florida? No, no, no. I'm still up at the Cape. I'll be here till the end of the month, and then I'm going back in early August. Um, so, what do I make? I make that the earnings season has appeared to get off at a fairly decent start. The banks. You know, we had we the banks seem to be doing well today. We had four banks that just reported. All of them beat, uh, all of them beat the lowered estimates, but they did beat right. Morgan Stanley just announced that they had massive uh, uh, revenues in their wealth management division. A lot of their a lot of their uh, um, performance, I guess, was tied to that. I haven't had a chance to read the story, but I'm not necessarily surprised, right? Even though people thought the financials were going to get whacked. Uh, there was this kind of whisper around there. Don't be surprised if, in fact, you see them do better. And it started with Jamie Dimon last week, who I'm never disappointed with Jamie Dimon. I think that he does a fantastic job. I own the stock. I'll buy more of it. I just love it. It's one of my core holdings. Um, but I do think that the market feels, it's just feeling a little bit stretched and tired, which means two things can happen. Either it does nothing and it just churns until valuations catch up, or yeah, well, pulls back a little bit. Look, we're trading at almost 21 times 2023 earnings and 18.9 times 2024 earnings, which is well ahead of the you know longer term averages. So it feels certainly a bit stretched to me, and um, which is why I'm not chasing anything up here. But I do think, and I said this in my note this morning, I do think that doesn't mean that there's no opportunity. I think there is. And yesterday I found that opportunity in the aerospace and defense names, right? Like Lockheed Martin and Raytheon and General well, Dynamics. They were getting clobbered this year. They were exactly right. They were getting clobbered, and they are. They're all negative on the year. Uh, but remember, after Joey's announcement to the world that the U.S. is now out of ammunition because we've given them all to uh, Ukraine and we got nothing left on our shelves, I thought to myself, well, first of all, that was kind of a dumb thing to say. But secondly, well, okay, if we got nothing on the shelves, that means it's going to be big coming contracts to replace all the ammunitions. And in fact, you saw that whole sector rally yesterday. His Lockheed Martin was up 1.2%. I think L3 was up 1.2% as well. The other ones were up just under 1%. But that's where I do think there is some opportunity, just because they are underperforming on the year. And I'm certainly not chasing tech up here. I'm not chasing NVIDIA or Microsoft or Apple. I own it, so I'm participating. But I'm certainly not buying any more up here in those names. And I'm putting new money to work in names that I think uh, have been certainly underperforming and what I think are undervalued. Well, it's uh, it's really... I. Um, well, actually, we have a group here at uh, one of the places I, I, I trade for that uh, was, you know, it's just a, a stock pick kind of a, a fund, and, and that's, you know, you do more than that. But last year, with the market getting clobbered, as soon as Ukraine got uh, invaded, a couple of guys pretty much switched. They really overweighted the defense industry. Yep. And I'm going to say last year, they made money, even though yep. the rest of them, the market was down huge across the board, yep. right? But they, yeah. but they stuck with them this year, so now yeah. you know. But it, it's I, I don't I don't quite. Kenny, I'm having problems when when Trump ran, 
All he did was talk about basic industries and steel companies. Yeah. So if you if you would have said, gee, I, I think I'll buy some steel companies, the minute the guy got in, all he did was go straight down. Same thing with, with Biden ran and everything's going to be an electric car and everything. And my, right. my brother and a bunch of his guys, they're, I mean, we don't have a fund or anything, but he's got a bunch of clients that kind of all know each other. And they all yep. they all really knew a lot about the electric car and the, these guys are making this and batteries and you know, God knows what else I never really got involved in it, and they yep. had a they had a, uh, you know it wasn't a you know we didn't market a fund or anything like that but they all had uh, bits and pieces of probably twenty of these electric stocks, and and it, yep. the minute this guy got in office they got their ass kicked now they're coming well, back yeah. now so it's 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 yep. really bizarre you would think. Defense stocks are down. By the way, we need a bunch of bullets. <laughs> you would think. Yet, if you've traded like that the last three or four years, you haven't necessarily done that well. It's kind. Of, it's been so counter weird, hasn't it? Well, it has been. But I thought yesterday. I thought last weekend when he, you know, last Friday or Saturday, whatever it was, he said it. I thought to myself, okay, I, I think here's an opportunity because that sector. I hadn't owned it up until recently. Uh, I keep looking at it because it feels like it's it's way overdone. But look, if you held tech last year. Which I did. You got in that sector of your portfolio, you got cream. But but yeah, if you still held on to it this year, you're certainly way outperforming the rest of the market. So you know, it's like anything. There is certainly cyclical, and you have to kind of make sure that the portfolio is diversified enough that while you have some losers, you've got better winners right on the table. And right. I think well, what, what, what people end up doing though, Kenny, on the retail side, and I'm not casting aspersions at a, well, I'm just telling the truth. What ends yep. up happening on, on the retail side with, with people, you and I are, are I'm going to say, professional traders. So if yep. we have a, a portfolio and we're going to pick, you know, say we got $10 million bucks and we're going to find 20 stocks we really like and put a half a million in each stock. Yeah. Right? At the end of the year, we know we're going to have some winners and some maybe losers or maybe a bunch of don't do anything. Whatever it is, it is, right? But at the end yep. of the year, if Let's one of the... Let's just pile into NVIDIA. Yeah. Come yeah, on, well, Chief, yeah, yeah, just pound on video. Like, uh, but at the end of the year, uh, the professional trader is going to say, "Hey, this one doubled. Right. I have to sort of cut back in this one because now it's way a bigger piece than I want in my portfolio." But right. But the retail person is going to say, no, 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 no. "Let's get rid of the losers. <laughs> we don't no, want no. those anymore, and well, let's, let's, let's well, double well, up on the winners." But you see, that's exactly the problem, right? Right. So what retail investors have to do, they have to start thinking like. An asset manager. So when Nate, like, look, I love NVIDIA, but when NVIDIA surged like that, it is, in fact, became such a larger part of my portfolio. I said, I got to get rid of some. As much as I hated selling it, I took, I, I got rid of some. I kept the core position and I took that money and put it back into sectors that have been underperforming. So you have to start to think like, a, like an asset manager, like a portfolio manager who wants to have a core position in whatever name it is. It's NVIDIA, it's Apple, whatever. And then they'll take the extra beyond that core position, and they'll trade around it. So they'll sell it when it runs. They'll, if they like it a lot, they'll buy it back if it comes in. If it doesn't come in, they'll put the money somewhere else. And the only thing I would say for the retail investor is don't whip it around like a day trader. But when stocks make such significant moves and create an imbalance in the portfolio based on you know, your targets, then you have to be proactive. Either that or you just take brand new money and you pl- pile it into those underperforming sectors to kind of rebalance your your, uh, That's, your that is that is That is not the mentality. We want to get rid of the losers and, and double Correct. up on the winners. Correct. That's not the mentality, which is why it's so frustrating for a lot of retail investors because they don't they don't understand it that way. What uh, what, what do you make of uh, where we are in the uh, the alleged in, in inflation fight? I, 
I don't see any real backing off, certainly in this yeah. administration, and just being willing to uh, to spend, knowing the Fed's going to help you out by printing more money, even yeah, though they no. appear to be cutting back a little bit on it. They're not they're not really serious about it, Kenny. I don't think. No, they're not, and I, that's why I think inflation has the potential to rear its ugly head, and I think Jay Powell thinks the same thing, which is why he's keeping the door open. I expect that he's going to raise rates in July like everybody does. I also think he should raise rates again in September, because remember, there's no August meeting, uh, and I'm not sure yet he's going to do that, but all you have to do, the problem now is wage pressures, because that's going to cause what you and I remember is that wage price spiral inflation, because look, the pilot unions held out for more money. Hotel workers are now uh, are, are now walking out demanding higher wages, better retirement benefits, better working conditions. And the screenwriters guild. There's eleven. There's another twelve thousand people that are out now joined by uh, now joined by the actors. I'm not I'm not holding a charity event for actors at all. But what I'm saying is there's pressure, and it's coming from everything. And I think that's what Jay Powell recognizes. Kenny, are you are you sensing? I mean, since I used to do this when I was a youth. Uh, are you sensing that there's cost of living going in these contracts? I am not. No, I haven't sensed that there's cost of living. But look what the pilots union got yesterday. United Airlines, they have 40%. Okay, okay, now back up a hair. Uh, 40%, it sounds spectacular. When, when, did, when did their last contract expire? How long have they been fighting over this thing? Yeah, well, I don't know. I guess that you might know that answer. I guess you do by the question you I, asked. Actually, actually I, I don't, but I, I'm, I'm going to guess, let, let's say... They haven't had a, a raise in two years. That's probably right. a fair assessment. And yep. this and this one's going to be for the next four. Four years. Okay, Correct. so looking at what you and I know about what the real inflation number is, if their yep. if their salary goes up forty percent in that six years, I'm saying yep. they're still behind. I well, I agree with you, but that's exactly why I think there's going to be even more price pressure, more wage pressure, because. Even though they're getting these increases, they're not keeping up with inflation, and they're going to continue to be frustrated, and that's going to cause the problem well, for... Uh, okay, so... What, what happened in Europe this morning? The UK announced that grocery prices fell. Okay, great. They're still up 14.9% month over month yeah. in the UK, but they fell from 163 the month before. And so... And, and so in, in, in Europe, they're all screaming and yelling, as they should be, because they can't put food on their table. Well, Kenny, most people think, I mean, I, I don't travel that much, you travel some, that in the last, say, two years, yeah. two and a half years, that the pilots have not gotten a raise, which right. is what I believe happened, that airline prices are up 35%. They're up substantially. Okay, yeah. where the hell is the money going? Well, I don't know. Where is the money going? Is the money going to the bottom line? Is the money going to stock buybacks? Is the money going? Well, it's to- probably going to stock buybacks, which is which is totally asinine in my in my opinion. But but the right. uh, didn't didn't Guys, United Airlines inflation <laughs> inflation is is you know quote bad here, but think about it in some other countries like Egypt and well, and once Brazil, we, we talked yesterday, Kenny, because uh, Greg. <laughs> Trades the grains. I don't, know if, I don't know if you've been on what Greg's been on for. He trades the grains. It's, it's really bad. Uh, and yep. my, my brother charts this stuff big time because he used to trade grains. Uh, there's the, what's, what's the index, uh, Greg, with the, the world price index comes out the of the FAO uh, does a. FAO. Yeah, it does a. And, uh, and once, w- whenever you get index. your grain prices over some part in the index, like five bucks a day, most of the world doesn't make five bucks a day. Right, right. correct. So, and I the mean, the last time. exporter of, of, call it, Wheat and corn globally is is now off the table. Call it, you know, eighty or ninety percent of what they have and what they're going to grow. They're not going to be able to 
export. So yeah. Egypt and South South uh, South Asia, and some of those those countries around that area are just going to have to pay up for everything, and that's that's going to be like double the price, not, not right. like ten percent higher. Well, the last time this happened, Kenny, didn't we have like the Arab Spring and all? It, it, it turns into serious political issues. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And listen, you could see it not only turning into political issues in those countries, you could see it actually turning into political issues in this country as well. Oh, right? I, 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 mean, I don't think there's any doubt of that. Now, the question yeah. is, who, who do you turn to? Because both parties are into it up to their eyeballs. Yeah. There, there's not, it's not like the Republicans have been anti-inflation or a Democrat. They're, they're, they're both up to their eyeballs. Right. Right, they're all in bed together. I don't care what you say, Democrat or Republican. They're both as guilty. Yeah, when, when it comes to money, they're equivalent. Yeah, yeah. There's no. Yeah, it's absolutely their equivalent. So, uh, so I guess it's the lesser of two evils, right? Yeah, but I, yeah. I mean, one one it depends on which part you're going to be involved in. I mean, if you're if you're further up the chain, the Republicans are liable to, you know, cut the taxes and then tell you that, that they're going to bring in more money, which isn't true. Or the Democrats are going to give money to some people that usually isn't you. Right. <laughs> it, it, you know, so it's you're, you're, unless you're one of the people that's going to benefit directly by either one of those policies, you're kind of screwed either way, money-wise. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, see, they just instituted or actually went into it went into law. You know, now if you're if you're over fifty-five and you're going to play catch-up in your in your return in your IRA. Uh, you can no longer put that catch-up money into a regular IRA. You have to open up a Roth IRA and put it in there because the Roth IRA, remember, you pay the taxes today. Yes, yes. Oh, right? yeah. So, so, so you're losing, you know, for anyone over, I think that makes, I think it was over 125000 but they are losing that tax benefit of being able to contribute to a regular IRA and then pay the taxes on the end. They want the taxes now up front. And then it's only going to be a matter of time before they change the rules on ROTS, too, and they start taxing on the other end as well. Well, what, what, when you're running, what, 30% of the budget every year is not, is not paid for, right? It's, it, that's, that's a huge number. That's a big number, right. Kenny, take care of yourself. I wish I was out on Decape with you. Right. Uh, Listen, I'm going to call Maddie because maybe we do something in August in New York City. What do you think? Or is uh, what are you yeah, let's, let's, because we've got a few people that would, would meet us there. Okay. All right, All right bud. Maddie, I'll call you afterwards. All right, take care. I'd say. SP Futures down three, Nancy Futures down 18. Uh, right back uh, with Professor Helsner. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day to day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, 
is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lord, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tim O'Neill. Greg Pappas on the board. SP futures down 350. NASDAQ is down 21, but I'm going to say we probably make that up because the market surely has a a upward bias to it uh, right now. I don't have any doubt about that. Uh, every day we just, I mean, uh, that's where the momentum is. Um, we had a little bit of a glitch, glitch back on Friday, but that. Uh, didn't last very long. Uh, we have Goldman Sachs cutting odds of a U.S. recession in the next year. Uh, do we have the professor with us? Hey, Tom. How are you, buddy? Doing, doing all right. Um, how does anybody even know? Depending on how do you even figure out what the numbers are to figure out you got a recession when we get well, I, so much in the pool? I think, I think the uh, economy is so bifurcated now. I think the Federal Reserve and the uh, fiscal policy of Democrats and Republicans over the last three or four years has so bifurcated the economy that I, definitely I think people in the bottom 70 to 50 percent feel the recession but the people in the top 20 percent don't and, and the people that don't feel it live in New York City well they operate out of New York City they live in Manhattan they live in um, Seattle in exclusive neighbors of Seattle San Francisco DC LA, they don't feel it. They think everything's great. And it, all you have to do is look at like credit card uh, delinquency rates on credit cards. Uh, the del- delinquency rate on credit card increased uh, by almost 50% over the year, over last year. But you look at business, um, you look at the same metric for businesses and commercial real estate, commercial real estate is hovering around zero, um, 0% change um, from a year ago. And small for businesses, it fell eight point five percent. So I think, I think there's definitely a recession here. But um, unfortunately, the ones in that recession um, don't have a voice on TV. Well, that's that's the truth. I, I honestly believe that. I, I, that's what the uh, when this inflation thing started, and I, I've been, you know, I thought it started in two thousand. I clearly thought it was it was in two thousand and seven. It was all in the medical community, which they weren't they weren't counting. Um, that and that and student loans and a few other spots, not student yeah. loans, uh, uh, tuition, and a few other spots. I, uh, I, uh, I, th- I thought it was there, um, and yet, you know, it, it it was never counted, and all of a sudden, uh, it's there. I mean, I think when you don't yeah. count stuff and you don't, you're not truthful with the numbers, you get yourself in a spot where you all of a sudden you don't want to be. And now, yeah. I mean, you listen to Paul talk, I, I think the guy, I don't think he knows what to say. Yeah, there was a. Well, I, I'm gonna, there, like we said last week, I mean, what is he gonna do? He's gonna 
He's going to ease. He's going to uh, inflate. I mean, he infl- if he if he reverses course and starts lowering interest rates and opens up the spigot, or to get more inflation, if he tightens anymore, you're going to see that recession spread to the entire economy. But it, so it, I think the guy's stuck. But the people who are actually already in recession, if he tightens more, unless they all get laid off, they're not going to feel it. Like, cause here, here's a, I, re- I read this, I'll do it, I'll, you know, I'm not boring everybody because I did it before earlier, but uh, I read two uh, paragraphs here from uh, a, a column by, uh, I don't know if you're listening earlier, by uh, Jeff Cox. And, uh, and Jeff, I think, is a good writer. I like him on TV. I think he's, uh, out of the talking heads, he's one of the best, I think. He's talking about inflation here. Don't don't break out the party hats just yet. Despite recent signs that inflation is cooling, the fight to bring down the meteoric, meteoric price increases of the past three years is far from over. And then he says, okay, financial markets through optimism from two reports last week showing that the rate of growth and what the prices that consumers shell out at the checkout and those that businesses pay for goods they use that hit multi-year lows. And I, I these two paragraphs, Hal, I mean, I, I, know, I know you know what I'm going to say and have said earlier in the show, those two paragraphs are the the absolute cusp of the problem here. They're not they're not trying to to bring back the meteoric price increases of the last three years, and I don't know if they can or I, even if I would if I was in their spot. What they are doing is trying to lower the rate of inflation going forward. They're two yeah. totally separate st- topics, and I don't even know if Jeff Cox knew that when he did these two paragraphs. But you never hear anybody say it. They're two totally yeah. separate topics. Those price increases are locked in, so I don't see them coming down anywhere. The Fed, the Fed uh, doesn't want any deflation whatsoever. So we have these locked in higher prices, and they're either going to increase it two, three percent, or they're going to increase it four or five percent. So that's the reality of the situation. You look at lending, total lending, it looks like it's flattening, but it's still way above trend. I mean, the trend pre-pandemic would be at what eleven and a half trillion, and it's. Uh, um, currently above at 12 trillion so uh, there's lots of money being lent still well if you look at credit card debt and I've got my debtclock.org here my favorite awful page that I go to once in a while credit card debt today and we are 2023 is 1.326 billion in 2020 it was uh, uh, 1 trillion so it, yeah. it is it's every, everything across the board is up 35 percent yeah yeah, uh, consumer loans, credit yeah. cards, and revolving accounts. They're, 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 it looks like they're kind of uh, peaking, but still it's way above trend before the pandemic, you know. Well, I mean, I think that when you – I mean, the, the, the old monetary theorists like me, and we are old, uh, would say that if you, if you pump 35 40% more money in the economy, you're going to get 35 40% of basically price increases and everything all across the board. And that's exactly, oh, yeah. that's exactly what yeah. we have. And, and I, I don't understand how other people think that's not going to happen. I mean, if weird part is, hell, if you ask, if you ask anybody, even even the new, the new monetarists, I think, if you were to say, what if he just doubled the amount of money in the system? Everybody's got a dollar bill. You walk into the Fed and you walk out with a $2 bill. They'd say, well, I would think they would say it for a minute's reflection. Uh, well, it'd just be like, Putting out a, a you know a, a, a stock dividend or a, a stock split, everything just re- if you, I owed you ten bucks, now I owe you twenty, right? I mean, everything yeah. everybody would just, just adjust. But then the, if you say the latte was two, now the latte's four. Yeah, but but if you if everybody's income went up, whatever and so forth, 
it would all double. Everything would be the same. Everything would just be double. But if you say you just did that 35%, 40%, why isn't it the same thing? And they all know that's not the same thing. How, well, how, how is it th- now? But that, that, that's not how it works, though, in the real world. In the real world, when you pump all that money into this system, if you look at checkable deposits and currency held by the bottom 50% versus the top 1%, and then you do that per person in those two uh, groupings, the uh, cash and check checking held by each person the top 1% uh, was about 7000 in 2008, about midway through quarter three, about $7,000 per person yep. in the top 1%. By today, as of today, we're talking $400,000. Now you look at the people in the bottom 50%, we're talking about $124 uh, in two, 2008, and now they have $1,665 in checking and cashing. That's how it works. That's the Austrian uh, story on money printing. It doesn't, it doesn't get evilly spread to everybody. It goes to the top 1%. And we're seeing the Austrian business cycle theory, the the the, the narrative on Austrian money um, printing playing out right before our eyes. It's really crazy. Right, why, and I tweeted I what? tweeted that to Cornell West last night. Cornell West said there's a eco um, side going on, but he was blaming it on big oil. No, it's it's no, horrible I, fiscal policy and horrible monetary they, they, policy. They blamed it on big oil in 1973. It was never big oil. Yeah, they didn't I, help. I they didn't, they yeah. didn't help. Uh, but I, 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 let me ask you uh, one thing. I'm going to push back on what you what you just said. Um, I have no reason to push back on recent history. Why was it in the '60s and '70s? And I, I, I think the answer, Al, is just because it was so gradual. Instead of a you know a forty percent increase in the money supply in one in, in eighteen months, it was. Eight percent one year, nine the next, seven the next. And sometimes it was down, sometimes at twelve the next, and your inflation just kind of kept with it, where it was eight one year, nine the next, until finally after like a decade, people realized you had a problem. Plus, we had all kinds of different tax brackets, you know, all kinds of crap going on. But I don't know the answer. I, I would my my stupid answer would be because of the gradualness of it. It, it was always uneven. But, it, but it, it's not the same kind of uneven. As it's really think. uneven today. Right, really but, uneven. But it today. was totally different back then because Savers, yeah. your, your grandma Hal, grandpa Hal, grandma Hallie, if you went down to the bank, you didn't. If you had any money, you didn't lose. Yeah. If if the inflation rate that year was ten, you were getting twelve. And oh, by the way, if you were after a long period of time, not the first five or six years, but after a while. This cost of living went into every single, well, not every single, but a real lot of the union contracts, and there were more people governed by unions. So actually, at Pullman, the union people got higher wages than the management people because they were getting, no, nobody got, well, I won't say nobody, most people didn't get full COLA. You got maybe 80% or something. So I'd, yeah. I, would, I would do the adjustments for the union people and the, Inflation was, you know, 2% that quarter, they'd get 1.6 or something. But the management, I never got those kind of raises. I mean, so it, it was uneven back then, but it wasn't always right to the top. Although, one yeah. thing that did happen, Carl, is if you were able to buy a house at a 12% mortgage, 
over the next five years, you got wealthy on that house. Because all of a sudden, I bought a place for 130 grand, and in two years I sold for 180 when we came off the, we came off the thing. And uh, you know, if I'd have held it for another three or four, because you could adjust your mortgages down. But I'm saying it was uneven back then, but it wasn't all right to the top like right now. I mean, oh, it's for all the right to the top now. It, it really is. And I think it, if you look at where it really jumps, it jumps when the Fed was given the tool interest on reserves and yeah. that that works as a, a minimum wage a minimum uh price on reserves uh and it's binding it's been binding ever since i think during the trump year years there were a there was a point where demand for reserves got so uh large because the economy was growing that um it was it was bumping up against the vertical part of uh the reserve supply curve but then the fed would um, I think it, they want to make that that interest rate on reserves uh, binding, right. and they they purchase right. And as long as um, they purchase a lot more uh, than is being demanded, that that we're going to have the what I call unemployed reserves. Why, why, and what, why, what 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 do banks do with those unemployed reserves? Well, well they probably they probably lend them to prime lenders, and hell, all uh, you, all that you, probably goes into margin debt. Hell, if you've got ninety bazillion accounts like these. Bank America and stuff do, and all all the, the lemmings, me probably being one of them, put twenty twenty five grand, whatever it is, a hundred grand, two hundred grand, whatever, in a bank account, and you're making zero in your checking yeah. account. And these guys, they all they got to do is do the same thing we do for our clients: go out, to, yeah. go out and buy a six month T bill, about five and a half percent. Duh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> duh. <laughs> this is insane, Hal. But yeah, but well, it, but it really took off. This, this bifurcation really took off right about the time when that policy was implemented, the interest on reserves, and and then the Fed expanded its balance sheet has trillions of dollars in its balance sheet. I mean, its balance sheet expanded, um, and then now the way re- interest rates are set is the Fed just says we're going to pay uh, banks five uh, percent. On the reserves, well, they're paying and then everybody. The well, they're paying everybody. Just right to it, but but the, but the the government's paying everybody five percent right now. Yeah, but what what I'm saying though yeah. is that within the banking system, I mean, you, you have different interest rates that different people get. But when when you're looking at the the prime borrowers, the prime borrowers are only paying three percent more than the, the Fed funds rate, which is interest on reserves. Yeah, yeah. So th- there's a they're 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 gaining. Massively, because it's not as high as what I would pay or what you would pay. Well, that's why every company that's big is taking over every other company because they can borrow from yeah. us. They, they are yeah. Bar- then you look at margin debt. You look at margin debt and it exploded a couple of years later too. I think they've kind of figured it out, or there was a way they could. Um, some some policy tool happened in 2012 where all of a sudden margin debt just explodes vertically. Well, when you, uh, Hal has brought this up, and I, I bet if if you and uh, Russell got together and, and combined your economic professorial knowledge. Carl is absolutely convinced, and he and uh, and I think no, I think he has crap that he can he can certainly back it up. The danger you have when some in, in a society that's supposed to be competitive, when a few people can borrow under the inf- the real inflation rate, yeah, you you've got a real problem because you end up with yeah. a very concentrated society, almost a fascist yeah. society. Well, the banks are paying their interest. Yeah, but I'm saying if on their loans, if, yeah. if, if you know if if Microsoft can borrow for less than the inflation rate, they're just going to go out and buy everybody because by, if you yeah. just do the math. But I, here's what I: there's a lot of economic uh, 
And, and rich people, don't, people in the top one percent, don't use cash to buy assets. Right. They 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 use leverage. Yeah. But so. but if you can, if you can buy it for less than the inflation rate, it's like it's like you know if, if I can borrow at three percent to buy a baseball team, yeah. and it seems like they're going up five percent a year. And there's well, a lot of people yeah. wanting to buy that same asset. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of people in the top one percent that can they can buy those assets. So that that push pushes those prices ever higher too, right? But I, I'm, gonna, I'm just kind of curious as somebody. Now I, I know that if when I this last couple of weeks, Al, I've been trying to to learn something about the law, which I know I know well. I mean, I know something, but I don't know these cases that go to the Supreme Court. I I don't know how they get there. I don't know who why some get picked up and some don't. Who's getting damaged? Who isn't? And how it seems like people that are bringing cases aren't even the ones being damaged. It's it seems odd to me. So I've been quizzing my, my our lawyer guests and been making some progress. But now my question is on the economic side, and this is the area that I'm in. It's all I did was take economics classes. Why is it when I, when I was when I was talking to Kenny, and Kenny obviously is a brilliant guy. Why? How have we been? I'm not trying to lead the witness here. How have we been so friggin' brainwashed that we were we we we're starting to think maybe because we own shares of stock instead of work for these places or something? Why are we so brainwashed that we're starting to think like we're owners and not schlubs? Because we're all schlubs. I mean, every I mean, Kenny talked about the United Pilots are going to get a forty percent raise. By the way, it's thirty-two to forty, but everybody's lobbing on the big number. And I and I said, uh, um, Kenny. Uh, why doesn't Kenny knows this, so I'm not telling him anything. Why are people outraged, seemingly, that these guys are getting a 40% raise? I'm going to say they haven't gotten a raise in two years, one and a half, two years, somewhere in there. The, the airline prices are already up 40% or 35 yet nobody says, where's that friggin' money going to? Whose pocket is that going in? Buying stock or and, and bonuses for those guys? In other words, the prices are already up. And over the next four years, these guys might get this 40%. I'm going to say over the six years period, they're down. Yet everybody is pissed at the pilots and not the company. Well, I, don't, I don't get it. I, I'm not upset with the pilots getting uh, no. uh, a pay increase that keeps up with inflation. I'm not I'm not upset with that at all. But but I'm saying... I'd say this, good for them. If, if you walked in the night to... Uh, you know, we went over to visit Greg Place at Ceres and went table to table and say, why are airline prices up? I guarantee you half of the schlubs are going to say because these pilots are going to get this big raise. Oh, no, I don't think it has much. I think that's a very small percentage of the cost of airline I know travel. what I'm saying. I don't think that has anything we, we to have, do with we, it. We, the society, has been brainwashed. Yeah. And uh, yeah. look, look, at the pilots are getting this raise. That's why the rates are up. No, they're, they're already up, yeah. you idiot. Well, the, but the pilots haven't gotten the rate. That's what yet, I'm saying. That's right? that's my point. <laughs> and it's already still up. What, you know, yeah. uh, one of the classes. Boy, I wish I would have had it on. The airlines were anticipating have to pay the airline pilots forty percent more. So two years ago, they raised airline ticket prices twenty yeah. percent, and this year they raised it at forty percent from three years ago. Yeah. I don't buy it. Well, if you were uh, in a, I, was, I, I told you I was in a, a class. Boy, I would took this particular class. But next time you come to town, I'm going to show you the book. Uh, it's more of a manuscript. It's Milton Friedman, The Theory of Price. And all yeah. it is, it's a gazillion graphs. You, you'd love it. I mean, I, me, I'd, I'd look at the thing and go, why did I even take this class? Uh, but you, you would sit there and go, this seems like a Bible. You, you'd, like, you'd be kissing yeah. the thing. Remember one, <laughs> I mean, one day in class, he goes, somebody was, was bitching at him about supply and demand or something. And he goes, one of the most, he goes, one of the most difficult economic concepts for anybody to understand is that in the short term, 
there is there is no no correlation between uh, what the hell did he say it was between the the between cost and price. Well, I agree with that one hundred percent. But yeah. and he goes because but he goes other than maybe a few people in this class that just remember what I just said, nobody understands that. Yeah, but, nobody does. I think the reason why is because the supply curves that we're taught ignore time. Yeah, they they completely ignore time, and, and that's what I liked about the Austrian school. Like at time zero at today, you expect as an entrepreneur to sell a thousand units next month. So today you make a thousand units, and then in a month, now there's a thousand units on the market. And so that supply curve, if you think about it, is really a vertical line at 1,000. Yeah. Because it ignores the time component. Goods aren't produced unless it's service goods. Uh, service goods that have been developed, like, you know, Microsoft Office, you know, an intangible um, good, right? But like when it comes to like cherries or units of glasses or uh, cases of Bud Light, Entrepreneur has to decide how many do I how many do I need to produce today to supply in a month. In that regard, supply is, in my opinion, vertical. Well, what we're trying, I guess, we, since we lobbed this one out there and everybody's eyes are rolling, in, in the short run, uh, let's let's just say you have a tomato farm, all right, and uh, and you, you you get your costs and you get or Greg would talk about uh, a corn a, a farmer in Illinois. All of a sudden, there's maybe a massive hailstorm in Iowa, where there's a, we cut the crop by twenty percent. Your price is going to triple in Illinois. It doesn't matter what you yeah. paid for it. Okay, yeah. your price is going to triple now, depending on how long it takes. I mean, say say it was tomatoes, you still got a chance here in July, whatever day we are. If the tomatoes go to the moon, you can run out and buy some tomato plants and put them in the ground, and, and probably in ninety days. We can have more tomatoes again. It's going to take another yeah. season for corn, but plus, if you if you make it so, on top of that, you know, if you make it so that you can't get in the industry, that it's it's a it's a it's a cartel, it's an oligo- it's a, a duopoly or whatever, or or it's a monopoly, you'll never get that back. There's there's no there's no. Do you think there's any any connection on these these drugs that get these patents between what they charge and what it costs them? There's none whatsoever, is there? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think once the drug is developed, uh, it's kind of like software. The marginal cost to produce an extra, extra pill is minuscule. Kind of like um, streaming videos on well, Netflix. It, 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 could, it could be. Software downloads. But it, it, like it, software downloads, well, right? Well, it depends on, on the pill. If there was a, yeah. so it's a, it was a new male enhancement pill where, where Greg had to go down there and, and wrestle uh, – what are the, little, the fish that eat you down in the, in the Amazon? If you, had, if you had to wrestle those and, and pull the saliva gland out of that fish or alligators or something, it might actually cost you for the pill. So you don't really yeah, know. Yeah. You don't really know. Yeah. It's for the greater good, yeah. Chief. It's for the greater good. <laughs> yeah. The important things. <laughs> but, the population on the earth is not large enough. We need more. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, we do. There's, there's something. The what? Farm here. Boy, I'm gonna, I'm, what would hell? I love to do this. I don't think we're, we're killing the listeners, but. Uh, what do, you, what do you make of uh, some of these countries and the original Malthus theorem, Greg? Or, uh, you know? uh, the, the Malthus theorem? Yeah. Well, I think if you, if you watch the director's cut of Avatar, you kind of get an idea of what elitists think of Malthus. They, they revere him quite highly. I'm not sure if you've seen the director's cut. I haven't. But it starts with, yeah, it's really fascinating. It starts with uh, Jake in his wheelchair 
in an overpopulated city on Earth that the director is trying to imply that is basically uh, like the the planet that uh, where the the government is in in Star Wars. Um, I forget the name of the planet, but it's all one. It's all one big giant city. The oh, yeah. Earth has become one giant city, right? And to me, that's just a mistake because um, what where I see Earth's population going, I actually see it uh, cresting and then collapsing. I think once countries once countries develop, they're going to have birth rates like the United States has, but like China has. And I, I don't I don't see earth ever get to the point where it's all one big city i just don't see that i think people are going to choose some people will choose to have kids some people choose to get married some people most people probably not get married most people probably most married couples will probably have maybe one kid or no kids so i, I actually see the first population falling dramatically well for those that so i i just don't buy into mars that mars and nightmare oh so greg's got us going to mars we can we can colonize up there i'm just well yeah but mars i mean we're worried about global warming on on yeah. earth and mars is um i mean it, it, it i mean it's i think it's easier to live on mars than it is the moon but those places humans were not evolved to live on mars or or the earth so i mean on, on the moon so How long i just don't see we gotta that have an expert in there. we got to find out what what exactly happened to mars because they used to have water and stuff and now they don't they used oh yeah you said yeah. they used to have four four billion years ago i think what happened is its core Solidified. It didn't have a big moon like we have. Our big moon keeps our core churning, right? If we ever lost the moon, then our core would solidify and uh, we'd lose our magnetosphere. And once we lose our mag- magnetosphere, the solar radiation would strip the atmosphere. Uh, you see what you learn on this, Greg? I didn't know. That. <laughs> I just, well, I, I'm a nuke in the Navy, movies. so I that's have right, a, that's right, I have, from the I Navy. have a hobby in nuclear physics. I have a hobby in nuclear physics. How do you? Um, you know what? Uh, hey, we're going to break here in a minute or two. What uh, Carl has taught taught us a lot about the uh, what is it? The solid sodium nuclear reactors and stuff. Do you guys did you guys oh, study about any of that stuff? Well, the Soviets had uh, liquid sodium reactors, and and uh, they weren't there was the health effects were horrible because water the half life in water is. Uh, like I don't know, five minutes. It's very tiny. We used we used water reactors. We used water to cool um, our nuclear reactors, where the Soviets used liquid sodium, I think. And and the exposure was the exposure and the health effects, the ill health effects were horrifying. And we're not going to know the truth of it because I don't think you know Russia will ever. Well, what, what's let that I think out. you guys are talking about different reactor setups. Yeah, Carl's talking about one oh, that is. The, the, he's talking. Carl's talking about Gen Four. Oh, Gen Four. Yeah, I yeah. think I think we ought to. I mean, if you're if you're really into saving the planet, I don't understand why nuclear isn't a part of it. The the fourth generation nuclear power plants are incredible, incredibly safe. Uh, but I don't know everything. Ever since Three Mile Island, uh, the left is uh, adamantly opposed to nuclear power. I don't I don't understand why because the only I think the only pollution that you get from nuclear uh, power plants is water vapor from the cooling towers. I mean, that's it. What about so, the areas that have uh, ones here that you actually have this this monster lake that they they use for cooling? Well, it's cool when you go by there. I don't know if you ever been. Uh, what's is it? Uh, Dressler it begins with a D. The one that's just southwest of the city. Uh, I find out which one that is, Greg. You go, you go by there, drive down there someday when it's like five below zero. It's wild. Oh yeah, it's wild to see well, that massive. I lake remember. Steaming I, I remember away. going out to as an instructor at the nuclear power plant in Idle Falls, Idaho. I remember. 
going out to the desert where the nuclear power plants were operating and there would be like this mushroom cloud of water vapor hovering above the site the i don't know 80,000 square mile site out there on the desert it was just from the vapor from the uh the cooling towers it would just kind of like a big uh man-made cloud above the site it was pretty impressive S&P futures down 250 and futures down nine although we always seem to come back every day we get this uh we're creeping up. We're going, to, we're going to quiz Hal about that. Why? Where's this money coming from? Uh, we'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tamara Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures down 4, NASDAQ Futures down 24, uh, Dow down 21. We have nothing going crazy. Our bank earnings are pretty good. We've got a couple stocks that are up. Federal Express is up five and a quarter. We've got a uh, UPS up a buck twenty-six. So a little bit of movement in the transportation uh, area, but not 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 much anywhere really. Over in Asia, uh, Nikkei is open. They're up one hundred two point three percent. We got the Hang Seng. They are open. They were closed yesterday. They're down three ninety-eight two percent. Ouch. Uh, almost under nineteen thousand. Nineteen thousand zero one five. Shanghai was open yesterday. The other ones were not. Uh, down 11 to 0.4 percent. So you have to be careful when the catch-up days come here. Dex down eight. Call that flat. Footsie down two. Call that flat. Back around down one. Call that. I'm thinking, Greg, if we were trading in Europe today, we'd be off to the beach. Just saying. Uh, not much going on there. Uh, Dow yesterday up 76. S&P up 17. Nasdaq up 131. That's almost a full one percent. So we had a good day to the upside yesterday. Ten year down three basis points. Three point seven seven. The Bund down 9 basis points, 2.37. Japan uh, unchanged at 0.48. We've got oil uh, up 29 cents, 74.44. It dipped down a little bit, but now it's come back up. Uh, Brent up 26 cents, 78.76. Natural gas up 7 cents, 258. Arbob up 2 cents, 265. We've got gold 13.10, 
1969. It's the highest it's been in a while. And this is all because of the dollar and stuff. There's silver up 17 cents, 25.17. Copper down 3 cents, 3.80. We got Bitcoin down 69 bucks, under 30,000 for the first time we've seen in quite a while. 29,807. And the dollar continues. Well, uh, even though it's these guys are saying it's down, it really isn't. It's down uh, yesterday, but the euro is uh, is 112. We've been used to 109 uh, or, or thereabouts, so that's two and a half, three percent in a few weeks. That's a huge change in the currency. Uh, the big one here, though, is uh, the British pound is almost at 131. It was at 127 for a while, so the dollar shrinking, which means gold and oil are going up. They're all in this together. Greg, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? Good morning, everyone. Today we've got uh, weather in Chicago, good news. Air quality index is back in the 20s, so good to go running without a mask. I don't see the air. Yeah, we can't see the air. So 68 right now, high of 74. Phoenix, we got 92 right now, high of 112 uh, today, so it's still hot. Inbound Kennedy, O'Hare to the interchange is 78 minutes. Inbound Edens, Lake Cook to the interchange is 79 minutes. Inbound Ike, Wolf to the interchange, 40 minutes. And the Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan is 35. Yesterday, Nationals beat the Cubs 7-5 at Wrigley. White Sox were off. Tonight, they play the Mets at 6-10, and the Braves play the Diamondbacks 10 minutes after that, 6-20. That's all I got, Chief. I'd, like to to see, I'd sure like to see the White Sox take two or three from the Mets after beating Atlanta. Huh. Those Eastern teams. <laughs> that would be... They're both, what, 40 and forty and 60 or something? They're No, the Sox are way worse than the Cubs. It's in record. The Cubs are... Uh, Cubs have a hot streak. They get. Oh, I was talking about the White Sox and the Mets. Uh, I thought the Mets were having a good year. No, no. Okay. All right. No. We have. Uh, well, Hal would know. He's in New York. How come you're, the Yankees aren't doing so hot either? Hal, what are you guys doing out there? Well, I, I actually think it's the. Uh, I don't know if players want to actually live in New York City, man. The Mets are really forty-three expensive. and fifty. <laughs> the taxes here yeah. in the city and the state are unbelievable, and. I mean, that's why LeBron James picked, uh, I think, Miami over the Knicks, right? Yeah. Well, then, but then he went to LA. <laughs> but when the Met, hey, when the Mets win by five, I get a notification from uh, my McDonald's app that I can get free fries from the local McDonald's. <laughs> oh, God. They bet they have <laughs> that's any the only lunch. time. They bet they have that's the only any... game. There was one game I think they won by five, and uh, my brother-in-law and I happened to watch that night, and the next day I got this app notification. I walked over to McDonald's and got my free fries. Don't, don't tell me <laughs> that you walked in and walked out with the fries with nothing else. Well, no, I ended up buying, you know, my kids wanted, you know, cheeseburgers, so I ended up getting some cheeseburgers. I'm going to say that they... I, I, used, I used the app to really get some good deals. Well, I mean, I'm going to say that McDonald's is way better off you buying the other stuff and giving you the free fries than if you never showed up. <laughs> I got myself a quarter pounder, so it wasn't... It, but... Getting the free fries was enough to get me to walk over there. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah, buy lunch for the kids. What do you suppose break. their marginal cost is of a, of a bag of fries? Uh, probably 20, 30, 40 cents. And they sell them for at like mo- what? At most. Yeah. At most, yeah. And they sell them for, they have huge markups on pancakes too, man. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine selling pancakes for what, $4? Those things, the marginal cost of making a pancake? Well, probably. What about, what about coffee? Two I pennies. Mean, coffee? Yeah. I mean, well, uh, the coffee's not bad because, well, outside of New York, isn't aren't drinks and you know coffee and soda still a dollar for any size? No. That, oh, that, really? That, like that, in Utah before we left, that went with the dodo bird. Yeah, in Utah. I'm going to say the large coffee at McDonald's is a deuce and a half. Well, 
Well, in Utah last August, you could get any size coffee or any size soda for a dollar. And that was the case in New York. That was that was that was, that was it for a ago. while. That was it for a while here, and then it was during the afternoon only through the drive-through, and then it, it, it went. That's that's why I'm saying how it's it's so difficult for us to actually keep track of uh, the price the prices that people pay. I mean, what if yeah. somebody comes down to a uh, you know a, a, the the dollar menu, which is now dollar ninety nine everywhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even the dollar store is a dollar and a quarter, right? Well, the, the marginal cost of sodas got to be close to zero because uh, at movie theaters you can get in Utah you can get this is back before we moved in Utah you could buy the fifty four ounce soda for like I don't know six dollars and you buy the twenty ounce soda for like five fifty. I'm going to say the soda costs right? less than the cup. <laughs> you think, but mean, the difference in those prices divided by the difference in the ounces is really close to zero. Well, the uh, it, it used to be that the, the cup costs more than the soda. I don't know if that's still the case. It, it, it might be the case with the plastic, the plastic cups that McDonald's uses. What I, don't, what I find really interesting about McDonald's is they don't give you a plastic straw. They give you a, a bigger plastic cup now. So you have this big plastic cup, and then you have this, like, wood cardboard straw that dissolves within five minutes of uh, starting your drink. Well, I'm kind of surprised. I understand that. that doesn't some make places any sense are to me. some places are back to paper. Your Seven uh, Eleven yeah. now is all back to paper. I think well, so is woke, uh, Dunkin' Donuts. In woke New York, they won't give you a plastic straw, but they'll give you a, a massive, huge, you know, thirty-two ounce soda cup in plastic. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's not recycled plastic because recycled pr- plastic is kind of grayish, right? Yeah, they it, were it, using recycled. Uh, Lids in Utah. It was kind of like that, really right, well, kind of a huge, brittle, easily torn. The lady who used to live up upstairs from me uh, is an engineer, very very bright uh, in in that business. In her company, mm-hmm. I don't know the name of the company, but they supply McDonald's. They can supply all these places. There's huge dough in that business. Oh, de- wow! Big big money. <laughs> and, uh, big money being well, a McDonald's supplier. You yep. got no freedom, but. You're, yeah, you got John Huntsman. John Huntsman Senior made a lot of his money off the styro, the styrofoam containers for the Big Macs in the 18, 1980s. Remember that those styrofoam Big yeah, Macs. Yeah, whatever, whatever it is that you're supplying. I mean, you're if yeah. you if you do the engineering right. And this lady, I think, knows how to design machines. I mean, yeah. you're, you're once you, once you get that line going, it probably costs you you know who knows maybe a million dollars to put the thing together. But once you do, you're stamping that oh. stuff out of there as fast as you can. I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, I wish I wish that would. Uh, Roll over into battery-powered um, or nuclear-powered batteries. I read this article about nuclear-powered batteries in the break, and they're taking they could take nuclear waste and create a nuclear-powered battery that could last for a car a couple of decades to twenty-eight thousand years. I mean, it'd be nice to never have to buy a you know a battery again. You just buy this nuclear power battery you put in your in your in your electronics and it lasts forever. Carl, what? That'd be great. Carl, sorry. Okay, uh, I want to no, go Carl, on the record. Carl and say was I'm against giving people nuclear. You can energy. call me Bill, or <laughs> you, you can call, you call, me. call me. Just don't, don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> but the uh, at least I got to, a guy on the same day, and I, like like sometimes I lob a name out there. Uh, but my question is, what you know, economics is is really. I mean, I, what you teach the real high end math part of the economics. Uh, same, you're a lot like Milton Friedman. You're in that high-end research and math inside. But the George Stigler School was behavioral. Bottom line is economics is really a social science. 
right? When you come right down to it, it's, it's how, well, do you, how do you deal I, I with see, scarcity? I, I, I used to teach mathematical economics. I, I taught it one semester, one summer at Duke um, back in 2007. Um, but at Westminster, I think my economics were, my, my research isn't, but the economics that I taught, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty non-mathematical. And I kind of agree with Stigler that it, it probably is more of a social science. Um, it's kind of nice being in the business school because I think you, your salary is probably just a little higher than it would be in the social sciences because if it's in the social sciences, you're going to create tension between the other social scientists. But Well, I mean, uh, it's, it's how do, you, do, how do yeah. you deal with scarcity? That's really what economics yeah. does. But my question oh, yeah, is, yeah. There, there have been times, um, these are not economic issues, there have been times when I was in grad school the the entire world was agog regarding uh, the, the design of the Chicago Board Options Exchange as not a specialist system but a highly competitive system. Somebody had just designed the the Nasdaq trading system, different from the New York, where any broker dealer PTI. I mean, right now we're a we're a, what are we a Series One or Series Two level person? But if all of a sudden we want to you know we want to drop you know a hundred more grand in the place. I don't know if you can even do it today. It's more of a Dan question, my brother. We could, we could, just tomorrow get on, get on the system and say we're going to make a market in, uh, you know, these three small stocks and just make a market in them. We could, we could join the system anytime we want it. And uh, but I don't know if anybody even does it. But there have been times. I mean, certainly during the wars, I mean, uh, World War Two. If anybody really, even you, I mean, even if you don't care about, you know, so long ago, blah blah blah, the the just to read up and study on how quickly things happened is is really amazing. You know, when you talk about the lack of communication they had back then, you we, we were sending letters to people. I mean, you had to drive places. Everything had to be going by ship. I mean, yeah. I mean, we you talk about. I mean, everybody looks at me like I'm. I think like I'm some, you know, old knucklehead when I say, how did it take you bleeps nine years with the Jane Byrne interchange? When, when you built Hoover Dam in three and a half years, <laughs> wait, 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 yeah. wait, we're not even on this. We, the World War II, from start to finish, was what three and a half years. How many bazillion yeah. planes and tanks and God knows what, and, and moving a million people all over the world on ships that are going to fifteen knots. First, how many ships? How, how we, how you, what we can accomplish when everybody works together is stunning. And yet, yeah, you and and, uh, and Carl talk about whole areas of nuclear stuff that we should be doing nobody's yeah. even looking at we look Oppenheimer at it, comes out in three days by the way yeah well we look at we look at a, the you know everybody in california you're supposed to tear this down and you're supposed to all go electric cars their grid can't handle anything like that yet you don't well, and, you, you don't hear anybody and, saying let's all get together let's plan a five-year project to upgrade the grid all over the damn place nobody yeah. we, we don't do anything like that why? Why is yeah. that? Why? Why are we? Well, so- I mean, look at solar. I mean, solar it only works during the day, and wind uh, power only works when it's windy, and it's not always windy during the day. Is you know so, and it, power grids aren't designed for those kind of fluctuations. If it's really windy and really sunny, I don't think there's any way our current technology can store that for uh, later use. So to me, I think all these people know that. And to me, it's just a way of, and socialism, I'm not saying they're socialists, but they have tendencies. Socialism a way, is a way to trap most of the people 
into lower station and and it's great for the current set of rulers because they hope to continue in those positions of power and it you know in North Korea you got I mean just think of North Korea was free if uh, North Korea is a free society everybody in that country including the generals that uh, live high off the hog in relative terms would be even better off sure they would right? sure they would but, but I think I think it's human nature for probably 92% of the population to be kind of content with um, with the way the, the norm goes. They're okay with uh, the narrative of the accepted narrative. And as long as they're not um, too impacted by it, they're okay with it. So I think most people just kind of go along. And that that's where socialism... The, Socialists can creep in because I really find it interesting that uh, capitalism lifted a lot of people out of poverty, and now uh, we have a system where competitive capitalism did. I don't yeah, know that capitalism, crony yeah. capitalism I, like I, we have now. When, I don't think say, does. When I say capitalism, I mean you know market capitalism, not not crony capitalism or state capitalism, right? Um, but you know we have this great wealth because of past free markets and past investments, right? And we, we seem to want to squander that with really bad policy Well, the, the people who want to squander it are people who want to be monopolists. Yeah, as long as they can remain where they're at, at the upper echelon of society in terms of wealth and power, they're, they're, I think they're okay with it. And that's why they think today there is no recession. To me, there's a recession like I said at the beginning yep. of the hour, like we agreed on, there's a recession for probably 75, 70%, 50% of the population. But, I think, but the people at the top don't feel it. But how do you, uh, I mean, I get my, my view, well, my view keeps changing, I guess. Uh, a lot of this was, again, my sitting my behind in Milton Friedman's class. Uh, and he would talk about how if you manage something properly, I, mean, I, I would guess that if I were to say to you, uh, the government should own the uh, what do you call them? the uh, grid? The grid. Your your initial reaction is going to be, uh, no, they shouldn't. That's socialist. They should let somebody else yeah. do it. Okay. And the reason why I say that, the reason why I say that, because I don't think it's going all that good. Right. But right? What I'm saying, yeah. Milton Friedman. We'd love to see you guys debate it because he would argue the other side, and he would yeah. say. There's only there's only going to be room for one gas line down the middle of the street. Okay, so you you can either have a company that puts it there and, and beats up on you for the next twenty years and yeah. essentially pays off politicians and everything like they do, and is constantly you have this monopoly power there. Or well, you know the same the same was said about you know the telephone companies. And, right, but his, but his they, point was they, the, they liberalized that. I mean, we got lots of competition. I mean, I remember my mom saying, don't be on that long-distance phone call with Grandma for more than a minute. And then 20 years later, I can have as long conversations with Grandma as I want um, over that same landline, right? So the same thing, same exact things were said about the telephone industry. And look what we got. We got we, we have things that are called phones that we don't use as phones, right? We, I, watch, I watch Apple Plus uh, TV... I'm watching uh, um, uh, what is it called Silo? When I when I drop my mother-in-law off and I, I don't want to drive home and come back and pick her up at her doctor's appointment, 
I'll sit in the parking lot and watch Philo on my phone that I rarely use as a phone. Well, so we got incredible innovation. I, I, out I, I agree of with that. Something. I agree with yeah. that totally. What, my, my, my point is, is that is if you manage it properly, okay, you could you could you could put the city could own the gas lines, okay, yeah. and then you would go out for auction for people to input gas into the system. You, you yeah, could, but, but you're you're assuming that they can manage it properly. Well, that's the point. But but yeah, it, they but, can't manage it properly. But it's but it's it's not being managed properly right yeah. now either as a monopolist. Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, I just well, it, it's it's a, it's a pseudo government. I mean, well, that's they right. The that's right. Of government. It's, right? it's, it's yeah. nowhere near. I, I would put yeah. that in the crony capitalism part. They, they have to face a competitor. Who? If they don't oh. face a competitor, yeah, they don't. They, if if they don't face a competitor, they can be as obnoxious to customers as they want. It's like. Why is there only one toll processor, payment processor, for of for Interstate 95, the, the New Jersey Turnpike? Because they paid why some, is there only one? Because they paid somebody off. Yeah. Why can't Visa do it? Why can't Visa and EasyPass do it? If EasyPass had to face Visa, right? If you could pay your your uh, Easy uh, Pass tolls with a Visa card, well, you do. Then, well, no, well, I mean, you do. But I want to do it directly, not indirectly, through EasyPass. How many? Because with EasyPass, if you're if you if you start a trip on the Turnpike, and you charge your um, EasyPass with say two hundred dollars because you're going to Florida, those funds aren't available for four days. And when you call, you have to wait an hour and a half on the phone call on, on, on waiting on a phone call while you're hitting tolls and you're being penalized for not having a balance. Um, you know, that, that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. That's, that's never if they had to face competition. That's never happened to me. Is is minute the minute I get to a certain happened, level, they, well, grab another, my, they grab another forty bucks. I've never, I've never. Yeah, it, it happened. It happened to my mother in law and I and my family when we drove to Florida. We didn't have any money on our Easy Pass when we called. When we put money on the Easy Pass, we didn't have access for it for four days because we put it on that Easy Pass while we're driving on the Turnpike. Uh, I'm going to say here. It's tied to my American Express, and whenever they get close, they just grab another forty bucks. Well, th- see, her account wasn't set up that way. She would just occasionally put some money on it because she barely, very rarely drives out of the city. So it was empty when we started our trip. My wife called Easy Pass to load it with two hundred dollars, or she did it, you know, electronically. And then I wanted to find out if we had access to it immediately. She waited on hold for an hour, and once she talked to a human. I think the human told her that it won't be available for four well, days. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, we, we got dinged with fines. I'm sure not down. congratulating Easy Pass here, but for me, yeah. for me, it's other than being a pain, it's relatively painless. I mean, I, yeah. but I mean, I still it shouldn't be any it shouldn't be any lower than having somebody taking your cash, in my opinion. But yeah. anyway, but I mean, these these uh, I just paid two gas bills for my building like the other day. Uh, they both were like fifty five bucks for two apartments. Uh, guess how much gas we used, uh, Hal? Uh, well, fifty-five dollars not very much, right? Well, an apartment. Yeah. There's four. How apartments. big apartment? Not very big. There's four apartments in the building. It's a three-story walk-up. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Uh, fifty-five bucks for no gas. Fifty-five dollars for no gas. No gas. That's the customer wow. charge. So there's one line that comes into our building. It splits off into four meters, and. Uh, 
the, the apartment that pays for the you know, hot water for the building, or they use some gas. But I'm going to say the customer charge for the one line that's got to be 100 years old because the building is, uh, it's, it's 220 bucks before you, you get any gas in the place from one line. Hmm. Isn't that special? So, wow, a 100-year-old line. Yeah. <laughs> They're guess, still recouping that initial investment. Yeah, guess what? It, it also splits off and, and feeds the guy's house next door. So there's actually oh, five man. meters coming off the one line. Wow. It's, and, they, and, they, and the thing hasn't had any maintenance in the 20 years I've lived there. There's never been anybody <laughs> close. But, I, you know, I mean, I don't see how, unless there's some resolve. I mean, if, if you drive to, to, uh, down to Purdue or Indianapolis, you're going to go through. Have you ever done this, Greg? There's a massive wind, wind farm. I don't know why there's down in Indiana. There must be some spot where the wind comes through there. Uh, as far as you can drive for 10 minutes, all you see are these massive windmills. And even yeah. on, a, on a breezy day, you'll see half of them shut down. Yeah. Now, Hey, but, Tom, you can't criticize it because you're anti-green. Well, no. in, New, in New Jersey, we have these wind, wind farms going up along the ocean. Not in New York, but, you know, in New Jersey because it's New Jersey, right? But you're seeing whales washing up on the shore. And you can't you can't say it's caused by the construction of the wind farm or the operation. Oh, maybe yeah. The opera yeah. But those those uh, windmills create vibrations, and those vibrations are felt in the water, and it probably confuses the whales, and they wash up on the shore. If that was if that was a nuclear power plant doing that to whales, that nuclear power oh, plant yeah. would be shut down immediately. Well, I doubt if the ones but in Indiana. Or, or, yeah. or shaking the whales, but one of my yeah. one of my buddies is in the uh, he's a high wire guy, you know, for the, the big power lines and stuff. So he knows about all this crap. And I was and, uh, Bobby. I said, Bobby, what's the story on a windy day? Half of these things aren't working. He goes, Well, Commonwealth Edison, even though it's it's damn near free, you know, I mean, a variable yeah. cost. Commonwealth Edison says we don't need it. They won't let them on the grid because their plants are still going. So you would think you would power down a couple of gas places. You're not going to power down a nuke, obviously. But you you think you'd power down a couple of gas places and said, you know, bring it on, middle of the day. That, they don't, they don't, and he goes, maybe the line, even though they have 50 windmills, maybe the line to Chicago can only handle, it's not, it's not a high, you know, a high-velocity line. Maybe it can only handle 10 of them no matter what. I mean, they're, they're, so they, a major malinvestment there, yeah. yeah there's, there's something, like, there's massive wind places in South Dakota, but nobody wants to pay up for the What's, it's not the high-speed line, but there, there's real high, there's new kind of power lines that, that are way more efficient, right? And, and you can put a lot more over than the old stuff, I think. But there, there's not one of those from South Dakota, like to Wisconsin or someplace, mm. that yeah. nobody wants to put up. I mean, Commonwealth Edison doesn't want to pay for it. We don't want that anyway. Well, We'd rather just charge you more for what we're doing. So, I mean, did, you hear about that, did you hear about the nuclear power plant? I think it was installed, built in Norway. And it was so powerful and efficient that it actually increase supply so much that it pushed energy prices negative and they had to scale it back <laughs> well there's there's been uh i don't know what happened with the zion one closed but the what's the name of the place right near me uh greg uh the steel company that moved to Bogoyevich always had his uh finkel and sons and i can tell you stories about finkel and sons one of my guys at pullman used to work there but they they went over to germany after the war and basically Stole, bought, whatever you want to say, uh, some huge press that does stamping dies. Mm. You know, you know what a stamping die is? 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I well, you do, shop. obviously, yeah. But, I mean, not many people make stamping dies, right, or the metal for stamping yeah. dies. And this press, you know, basically beats the crap out of a huge thing of steel to where it's not very big anymore. And that's what they use to, to etch out, like, dies for fenders and stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Or an oil pan. Oil yeah. Pan, yeah. But these guys, they used to run, they had a, electric, uh, what do you call it for the steel? Uh, blast furnaces. Imagine that. But they only ran at night, where they, they will they will like give it away at night because the, the nuclear plants around here, the, at Pullman when I was there, they gave them a deal we would only heat the plant because the plant was about ninety bazillion years old and was no insulation no nothing. They would actually heat the thing at night and then turn the heat off during the day because they gave us <laughs> such a break on and they put in an electric oh. heater because we got because we had such a it was like here take this electricity we can't even use it <laughs> same thing they were doing to the you know, so it, it is. It is a very. But my point is, why can't we coordinate and fix some of this stuff? Hell, I mean, it, even well, manage a government can't do it. They have the wrong incentive structure. It's like the public school system, right? The public school system, the t- the teachers and the, the principal aren't accountable to the parents. They're they they want to please the governor and the Department of Education, right? Yeah. Uh, because the governor and the Department of Education determine how much money they get, so they want to please them. They could care less what the parents and the kids think, which is why you have truancy laws, right? Um, so you need a you need a competitor, and, and, and when you ha- when you're faced with one or two one or two or more competitors, uh, it changes the whole dynamic, especially um, in, in a in a in an elect- electricity generating um, setting. You're not really accountable to the the, the customers. You're accountable to the state regulators. But how, why, the why in the early 70s did people understand that and come out with a options exchange, come out with deregulating trucks, deregulating railroads, deregulating airlines? And now, as long as... If you own Microsoft stock and they're the biggest monopolist on earth and the stock goes up, you don't... We, we've changed our, our whole mentality from having a competitive society to having the stock I own going up. Yeah, well, the 1970s, the... The left was anti-war, anti-FBI, anti-CIA, and now it seems like the left is pro-war. Oh yeah, well, it's, everything's it's, been turned upside down. The, the, the sides are totally switched. Yeah, I mean, it's what? completely. It, it's, it's crazy to. I mean, I, I remember hippies protesting, watching movies in the '80s about the hippie protest in the 1960s. They were anti-war, anti-FBI, anti. And now you know CNN and MSNBC. They're the biggest cheerleaders for war. They have all these former national security uh, apparatchiks on their news programs pushing for more war in Ukraine. Uh, if if a Republican were president right now, you know they'd be anti-war. So it, to me, it's just it, it's nuts. Well, what's it's, happening. when you say when you say war, we got to dash here. Say where there's yeah. a massive difference if you or your kid is going to go into the war versus not, oh, yeah. or, or whether yeah. you're going to make bullets for the war. And now, Tom, even cluster bombs are okay. Yeah, isn't that unbelievable? Yeah, it's unbelievable to me. I would, I yeah. would never Plus, have guessed cluster that. Cluster bombs are okay. I would never have guessed that coming out of... But, you know, you, you mentioned earlier about the... Because uh, we got a dash. The part about we don't have enough bullets and stuff. Yeah. And Kenny was talking about that, too, because you know, people want to get back in the minute. Uh, and a lot of the uh, military-industrial complex companies. But one of the guys comes on the show, Mike Murphy. He was in military supply, and you probably know something. He goes, Rumsfeld jammed this just-in-time inventory essentially on the on the military. Well, how's that work? 
how do you do just in time military? And all of a sudden you're you're giving all your stuff to another country. At some point, uh, yeah. you, you better gonna have to reload here, aren't you? Yeah, you gotta gotta start up the production lines, right? Uh, maybe, maybe that's they, the purpose of it. Maybe right? they're gonna redraft you back for some new nuclear sub. Would you go back? <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't go back. There's no way. I I, I wouldn't. I, I was never on a sub, and and uh, I would never go back to the military. I was too. Too much of a contrarian. Oh, I, I had a hard time following orders, <laughs> even when I was what? in my twenties. I can imagine. Go over that, that hill. Go over that hill, Hal. Uh, I think I'll stay here and have <laughs> a beer. <laughs> anyway, take care of yourself, buddy. Hey, by the way, we might have a, a, a move, Kenny, of uh, uh, somewhere in August or maybe September. A few is coming out and getting a floor tour and stuff. We certainly want to make you a part of that. Okay, uh, cool. We, we come here. With SP Futures down five. Nancy Futures down thirty. You have to promise us good weather. And uh, and you know no 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 shenanigans in New York, just good stuff. You know, just saying. Yeah. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.